You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor and publisher of Renew Economy. One step off the grid and the driven.io, our electric vehicle website. And joining me as the sun breaks through the storm clouds up here in northern New South Wales, he's... um, Regular co-host <laughs> Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Um, Nigel, I hope the sun keeps on breaking through the clouds. <laughs> yeah, hey, me too. Me too. I'm good. We, well, I must admit, we've had the fire going down here too. It's uh, it's suddenly got cold on us over the last few days, but we're looking forward to a, a warmer end to the week. And um, I must admit, I'm I'm hyper excited because you know we're. Um, in the last two weeks, we've progressed very nicely as a country, as a society on COVID. Um, the market's in, you know, better shape than we thought it might be. The country's in better shape than we thought it might be. And my local, my local is now they're actually starting to talk about when they're going to reopen, which is fantastic because it's 450 metres down the hill. My wife's a terrific bar manager and I get really good service there and I terribly, terribly miss all the live music and catching up with friends and stuff um, and, and the community. Oh, yeah. I'm getting Don't a bit all. sick of the boys in, in my wife. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. I'm, very, I'm very worried about your walk home being up the hill, Nigel, but I suppose that's probably good exercise and gets you sort of you know, focused and thinking. But um, definitely oh, it's, you, 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 There's a cliff. There's a little cliff you've got to scramble up. It's serious, serious bush track, I'm telling you. But we don't, we digress. Nothing that you can't handle without two lemonades. Um, I Correct. guess um, with two lemonades, I should say, mate. Um, you're, you're right about the um, you're right about the solar market chugging along. We all thought it would mm. fall in a screaming heap. And look, I guess the evidence is always anecdotal and incredibly variable, and it could just yes. be the mirage of the STC. Um, handing in the certificates actually coming into the um to the to to the regulatory inbox, but um the last figures for April kind of look pretty good still two hundred and thirty seven megawatts. I think that's a record for that month. I think it's um the second or third best backlog, on record. I'm just backlog. I'm just going to say it. Backlog. That's backlog, backlog. right? Oh, um, okay. So, so May's you know, be that was all the jobs that were already sold, already booked, and a little bit of extra. Um, but you know, so you know, the risk is in another month or two months. You know, that was where we might see the backlog all used up, and um, you know, then we would see things starting to slide. But you know, the market's already starting to come back a bit. Um, and um, you're right; it's only anecdotes, and and the vast majority of people, the vast majority of people that we're talking to are saying, yeah, no, we're seeing signs of recovery and, you know, the same story we've talked about for the last couple of weeks. So I think we might skate through um, without, um, you know, terrible, terrible damage. Um, certainly a lot of people are hurting, but um, I think we're going to not be anywhere near as badly impacted as uh, what we originally thought, which is terrific. Well, that is pretty good. Yeah, and there's, there's some other indications as well. AGL were out there today talking about um, battery storage, and they reckon they're seeing a big uptick uptick, in interest in, in, in residential storage, albeit from a low base um, for them. So, I mean, they're probably mm. only talking about their own sort of inquiries, but that's kind of interesting. Um, 
So we'll see what happens there. Look, and, and while we're talking big utilities, it was kind of interesting to see some of the impact that's, um, that all this stay-at-home stuff is, hap- is having because most people go to work and they've got the solar panels and um, not much is happening at home apart from the things that they remember or manage to sort of switch on to operate while they're away. But um, sitting at home, they've been chewing through the electricity and chewing through their own usage. So... While the overall grid has not seen a major reduction in demand, probably about 2 or 3%, which compares to about 20% in some of the European and the US markets, some of the utilities are actually seeing a bigger fall in demand because while people are not using less electricity, they're using more of their rooftop solar. So uh, they're actually drawing mm-hmm. down less from the grid. And Origin Energy um, came out yesterday or nah, last week and said um, they're seeing demand down 11% largely as a result of people consuming their solar. So it's nice to see that people getting even more bang out of their buck for having rooftop solar panels. They are, they are. And, and, you know, we've talked about this and published a couple of stories as well on the same thing and we'll be continuing to watch the data. But clearly, you know, there's a lot of people at home, you know, self-consuming more solar. Uh, I know I, you know, working from home, I instead of, you know, leaving the dishwasher for someone else to switch on at a, at a crazy time when we don't have solar energy, I'm now here and go, no, 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 wait. And I'll turn it on, you know, mid-morning or late morning or something and try and use up some of that solar. So we're able to, you know, you're able to manually manage manage a few things when you're at home um, which you couldn't do uh, so easily before so um, yeah I think it's I think it's really really cool absolutely and not just the households who have solar benefiting um, the reduced demand is also putting um, we're seeing wholesale electricity prices at um, their lowest for many 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 years Um, even negative prices in Queensland over three or four days which was partly due to the failure of another transmission line which blew down. I wish they'd stop blowing down those transmission lines. Maybe they should put them underground. Um, But anyway, so that should, should in principle, seep through to um, other users. But um, we're still pretty strong in the case that um, we should see more schemes um, rolled out to make sure that we get rooftop solar and battery storage in um, some of the... um, some of the housing schemes, the low-income housing, as we've seen in a couple of states already, and um, I think that probably be one of the things that we'll be talking about um, at this week's um, stimulus summit. But um, let's talk about another big release. Um, the Australian Energy Market Operator last week, Ooh, Nigel, um, yes, yes. Released, released a renewable integration um, study. Now, this is pretty significant because it doesn't you don't have to go... F- but too far back in the history of the energy market when you found people who sort of said, oh, anything more than 10% wind and solar, the whole thing will come down and break and it won't work and um, we'll be living in caves again. And yep. you can probably find certain pieces of conservative media which probably still hold to those views. But uh, what was fascinating about AEMO um, was this was a short-term um, prediction about what it can accommodate in the grid, and it can accommodate up to 75% instantaneous um, by 2025. No technical problems at all. A few important market and regulatory issues uh, which need to be sorted, basically. Uh, We've got rules and regulations for technology and old technology, and we kind of need to update them to to reflect the new technology. But um, pretty interesting report. It is an interesting report, and and you know, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know what uh, the real world impact of that is. Uh, an old friend of mine, actually from Adelaide, who got solar uh, a year or so back, if I recall correctly, um, popped up on Facebook. Haven't heard from her for a while. She popped up on Facebook the other day when that report was released. She picked up on it in the news and said, "Is this going to wreck the value of my solar?" 
And that was that was the response from you know an end user who saw it and just went, oh my goodness, this is this is not cool at all. Uh, I can I can understand what this means, and if they're going to curtail me as uh, as as an end user, you know, uh, hang on, hang on. Uh, and there was quite a debate that raged about it, with all sorts of uh, people jumping in and out of the debate. So. Um, it raised a whole lot of interesting questions about automation in the grid and, you know, the opportunities um, for um, using smarter technologies to integrate more renewables versus, you know, um, the other alternative, which is just turn them off. Uh, so I, yeah. I think it's a really interesting and powerful debate that, you know, is not resolved yet. There's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, you kind of jumped ahead of us. Um, we probably needed to explain that as part of the um, things of you know things that need to be done. I think there was about sixteen major items, and um, one of them was updating the inverter standards to make sure that we get a new breed of inverters which can talk to each other and presumably um, have connectivity and therefore act as virtual power plants. And the second thing was this ability to be able to orchestrate and um, quite specifically, that's mm. actually curtail or switch off solar in some circumstances. Now, my understanding from talking to people at AEMO, both about this national one and also some of the people over in WA where they've already kind of moved forward on this is, and, and look, I can understand the debate and I can understand the concern. The argument here is that this will actually not be actually used very often. It's just like once every couple of months or once, you know, in, in, in the shoulder seasons, spring and autumn, you get mild temperatures, you get minimum demand on weekends, you get a sunny day, that's a lot of solar. And it's only on those occasions that they say that they're going to want to curtail it and pull it back. And the argument is, and this would probably make it valid, is that by being able to do that, then they don't need to do those arbitrary export limits that we've seen all across the country. Some people being limited to five kilowatts or some people not able to export at all back into the grid. I think it's a fair enough proposition if, if they can remove those export limits because then they can actually sort of see um, what's out there and then they can actually sort of react. That. And look, if they need to pull that lever, they pull that lever. But I wouldn't have thought they would be pulling it all that often. Um, but look, it could it, it could have, um, you know, it's um, probably swings and roundabouts, but it could be more swing than roundabout if <laughs> anyone knows what I mean. Well, I'm with you. Um, I think the key, however, my friend, uh, the key is will they in fact roll those Will they roll those export limits back? Because we've seen some sophistication. We've seen uh, DRM uh, being uh, forced on the industry. Uh, so every inverter manufacturer had to, you know, upgrade their firmware and software some years ago now to cater for DRM, which, to the best of my knowledge, has never, ever, ever been used by the networks, despite forcing the inverter manufacturers to put that in place. Um, and it's a it's a really powerful functionality. Um, we have export limits. Uh, we also have volt var and volt watt response. So we've got all sorts of interesting responses that the industry has been told that they have to put in place um, through firmware or hardware into inverters. And yet all the other all the other uh, previous limitations like export limits, hard export limits uh, remain in place. So um, I will be watching this extremely carefully, Giles, to make sure that if they are going to put these types of regulations and rules in place, that it's simply not another uh, impost on manufacturers, that it's not something, something that actually doesn't get used. Uh, because, um, you know, that's just 
craziness and um, doesn't keep anyone, you know, it's not helping, really. It's not helping. So let's get rid of the export limits yeah. and replace it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, Nigel, I find it very hard to believe that um, any incumbent utility wouldn't be falling over themselves backwards to ensure that the maximum amount of solar can be exported back into the grid. Um, I can't imagine them thinking any otherwise because they are, as they say, and as we know, they're on the side of the consumer and that must be a great benefit. Um, look, we've got an interview with um, Longy Solar coming up, but look, I just thought we'd just take a break now and just hear from our sponsors. And um, I'd like to thank our sponsors, which include Solar Analytics and Clean Energy, and of course, Open Solar teamed with the people from SunWiz. And um, let's hear uh, one of their messages now. SunWiz are Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with Open Solar will amplify the value delivered by a world leading solar software platform. With personalised training and assistance, PV retailer benchmarking and individually tailored proposals, SunWiz will accelerate your solar business in the right direction. Unlock the wisdom of 10 years' experience assisting leading solar companies by visiting sunwiz.com.au. And it's good to have um, ongoing support from our sponsors. Um, very valuable. This program couldn't happen or wouldn't happen without them. So um, we're very thankful. Um We've got a special guest, not one of your roving roving people in the solar installation businesses. We're actually going up another scale here, Nigel, to one of the biggest solar manufacturers in the world, um, if not the biggest, I think, according to some data. Um, this is uh, Longy Solar, who are rolling out a new product. And um, we caught up with uh, Stephen Jeng, the uh, country head in Australia for Longy Solar. Stephen Jeng, um, welcome to the Solar Insiders podcast. Hi. Look, um, the reason for having Longy on today is about the rollout of your new HIMO 4 product range, and um, we'll get to that sort of a bit later on, but it's probably a good idea just to tell us a little bit about who Longy are um, and, um, and, and your history in Australia. Yeah, definitely. And Longy um, actually was uh, established in 2000 from China. After 20 years growing, uh, we have become one of very few uh, integrated solar companies, covering wafers, sales, module, production. Almost we have over 40,000 employees around the world. F financially, we made 3.3 billion US dollar revenue in 2018 and reached to 4.7 billion US dollar in 19, which is last year. So with almost 50% increase, that makes Longji being recognized as the world's most valuable solar technology companies with the highest market value, which is around 25 billion if we convert to Australian data. Besides, our financial health and strength are also accredited by other bodies like Bloomberg, Photon, and PVTech. In terms of the market share of Longji, we supply more than 30 gigawatts of high efficiency solar wafers and modules worldwide per year. And that accounts for almost 25% global market demand. So according to PV InfoLink, market share of our monocrystalline products has increased to about 62% in, in 2019, and is further set to increase to over 85% by 2021. So another interesting point to a lot of solar investors is that Longi has been awarded as the top rating um, bankability of AAA 
for the first two quarters this year. This is the highest grade. Also, long is the first module supplied to achieve this triple I rating. It will, it will make all of our investors easy to finance their solar products, sorry, projects here. Look, Dom, some of those numbers that you mentioned in market capitalization and just you know manufacturing capacity are, um, are quite staggering and just give some insight into just the scale of the solar business um, around the world. Um, give us an idea of a little bit about your own plans specifically for the Australian market. I mean, that's been a market that's um, been growing very quickly over the last couple of years, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we operate globally. So definitely Australia uh, team is one of the global network members. We set up our local entity in 2019, which is last year, after a few years of being supplied to the market. So since first presents back to 2016, we have done quite a lot of jobs in both the residential market and utility scale solar farms. So now launching the top three PV module brands in Australia. So number one, I'm very proud of being the team leader here to serve our customers, our communities, and the whole industry. So we, we did invest a lot in this local business operation. It will give us a full function. So number one is the local distribution center, not only to cater for our distribution channels, also to meet some immediate demands of the commercial and industrial jobs. And number two, a strong technical team to support you on the various stages of, of all kinds of projects, like preliminary design, tendering specification, bidding cooperation, and ex execution involvement. So no matter how big your project is, we will be always available to give you a hand. And number three, our sales and the customer service team will always look after you and your customers as well by listening to the real needs and from the customers. So we supplied immediate response to any question and inquiry. So apart from these uh, sales activities, we've been working very closely with ENSW in a strategic partnership. This is a mutual cooperation with academic institutes on a technology development and production uh, product application. So comparing to other foreign module suppliers, we are always being here with our partners, with our clients and friends as well. So thanks to our strong support team based in Sydney, Australia, we believe we will continue to deliver uh, very high levels customer service and care to all of our clients. And tell us then something about your this new product then. It's uh, called HIMO4. Um, just tell us a bit about what the range and, and, and um, what makes it sort of technically or you know, um, in size different from, from your previous um, or existing products. Oh yeah, when it comes to the products available for Australian market, I would like to say HIMO 4 series. And this really new series by using the new M6, 166mm uh, half-cell mono-perk silicon wafer in order to deliver the highest power in the modules. So we applied very advanced technology to upgrade the silicon wafer from M2 to M6. It means more power is being given on the limited panel area. So as a result, system BOS can be reduced further and overall LCOE of solar system is able to be lowered again. So two of the main power rating are 370 watts 
and 450 watts. And this seven, uh, this 370 watts is the first heat to our residential installation. With this panel power, the maximum STC capacity is able to be achieved with a very limited roofing area. By having 18 panels only, our customer can have a 6.66 kilowatt DC installed on their roofs. While the 450 watts is very ideally suitable for most commercial jobs, both mono and bifacial is available. Still compact size, but with a higher yield to ensure our financial benefits of the business operators. So especially bifacial feature enables actual yield available from the back of the module. So this proven technology has been widely applied and successfully tested around the world. So now we have the both module available in our distribution center across the whole country. And so the bifacial, I mean, it's um, it's interesting. All those sort of new um, new terms, sort of um, half cell and um, perk and um, bifacial. Bifacial is one of the things that fascinates me. I mean, and this, as you mentioned, was just this um, this ability to actually generate power from the back of the module. So, is that something that would be used just on large scale um, solar plants, or would it just be, or would it be rooftop, or would it be both? Um, and what sort of yield is it actually um, adding to the um, solar panels? Yeah, definitely this uh, bifacial module is only applicable to the uh, ground mounting system. So simply speaking, you will get extra power generated from the back of the panels. So in fact, we uh, start promoting this bifacial very, very early in the industry. And this technology has been, like what I mentioned, widely adopted by Australian market because of its contribution to the high yield of the power generation. And its liability has also been verified by various projects around the world. So um, generally speaking, it can just increase uh, 5 to 20% of the actual yield for the overall system. By the end of Q1 2020, we already supplied the bifacial module about 5 gigawatts total shipment. So rank the first one. In the, in the, on the top of the world. So this could be one of the most exciting interests to most of the stakeholders in our solar industries. I love the bifacial stuff, Giles. I was just going to jump in and, uh, and say I've actually got a bifacial panel, a very early one that was uh, brought into Australia years ago uh, as a prototype on my camper van, uh, which has a white fiberglass roof. And um, so I'm able to get reflected energy back up off the underside uh, from the from the white fiberglass roof on my on my trusty old camper van, um, and it runs the fridge and the other bits and pieces. So I've I've had personal, yeah, you know, I've been really interested in the bifacial stuff. It's 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 kind of one of those things that's you know adds a little bit of cost and complication, but you really can get some good yields out of them. So it's uh, it's great to see them uh, expanding in their use. And I presume that you need um, you you probably need to have that um, that white roof. You wouldn't get um, you wouldn't get much value out of having a very dark roof on your camper van either, would you? And I, I guess that's the same for the Grand Mountain system. You need the albedo effect of the of the light reflecting. Otherwise, it's not going to work. 
Exactly. The more reflective the surface, the better the better the um, performance boost is going to be. Um, there's, there's and there's plenty of good examples of that. But you know, even even in sort of average conditions, um, you're still going to get some benefit off it. So it's a really it's a really cool technology. Anyway, sorry, I, I interrupted. Cool. I'll, I'll go back to my cave. No, 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 no. It's all good. Now, look, I've got um, one last question for you, um, Stephen, and. Um, yeah, look, it's just about the, um, you know, we, we've seen sort of people come into the market and out of the market and, um, you know, sometimes um, um, it's difficult to get parts. Look, I mean, judging by the figures that you showed earlier, I mean, Longy is obviously here to stay and has got incredible financial muscle and size. But um, just sort of be sort of more explicit about the sort of the reinsurances that you can actually provide um, installers and um, wholesalers. Oh yeah, probably we can just, I think we can take a look from different angles. Most of us are very aware of the upcoming issue in this industry could be the oversupply at the time of the post-pandemic. So this is caused by the project or investment cancellation in Europe, States, Southeast Asia because of this business suspension. So China was the first country which had recovered quickly. Definitely it can help digest some of the production capacity for most of the panel makers. But still a surplus of the products will have to be uh, exported. So Australia will be a very ideal target destination. Our installers will be facing numerous choices from all possible channels with a very facilitating quotation. But what you really need to be careful is the quality and brand. So I'm pretty sure our customer won't be happy when they uh, couldn't find any supplier from, from the original of the place. So we, we need to do some minimum background check on the brand and the suppliers through internet or some group chat on the social media to at least have a look. It's a warranty policy, sustainability of the company to make sure the company will be within in the industry for the long run. So Longji is one of the major suppliers, which will also definitely will be a very good choice because we have a very comprehensive warranty scheme ready, and this includes probably we we will keep a minimum reserve, for example, in a, for any modules being phased out in a different stage. So we always keep the stock for the, even the old module be available for the later replacement purpose. Uh, speaking of COVID, Stephen, I was going to ask. You know, um, there've been uh, been a lot of talk on the forums and whatnot about the impact um, on manufacturing in China. You know, going back a few months now, because you guys have done a, a, a terrific job of of doing everything you can to manage coronavirus back home in China. But what what impact did it have on um, on Longy? Did uh, and and what do you think the impact will be on the market? Um, is is production back up to uh, to full scale yet? Oh yeah, because uh, we we have the multiple location for the production, and thanks to that, so we already returned the full capacity, both in the overseas and the massive China facility. Ah, oh, sweet. Okay, so you're 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 back up to full steam. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Well, good stuff. Well, look, Stephen, I really do appreciate coming on the uh, Solar Insiders podcast and um, good luck with the rollout of the um, HIMO um, 4. Um, Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid are actually going to be hosting a podcast in a couple of weeks um, on that very topic. So um, be able to ask a few more questions from Stephen and hear more about um, the state of the solar industry. So do check out for that. Um, um, it's going to be within the next two weeks. So um, thanks very much for um, joining this podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you too.
Good on you, Stephen. And that was Stephen Jang, the uh, country head from uh, Longi Solar. Um, Nigel, we're used to sort of talking about sort of solar modules and rooftop installations and lots of the installers and some of the wholesalers and look, some of those are sizable businesses, but geez, when you start to talk about numbers and the billions and the tens of billions like that, it's just, it really makes you realise just how big the uh, the global industry is. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's you know, having been around a panel or two over my years, you know, uh, you know, we used to be able to claim in the old, good old days at the BP Solar Factory in Homebush, we, we used to be able to claim we were the largest manufacturer in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, and I can't, I can't even remember how many megawatts we put out, but it was like 10 meg a year or something, um, you know, maybe 50. Uh, and maybe we had a plan to go to 100 or something, you know, they, 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 they were the orders of magnitude. And now the plant's putting out 7 gig seven gigawatts a year it's 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 really mind-blowing so great to hear a little story and uh, great to hear that uh long year investing in the australian market i always i always argued that you know if you wanted to pick a, a manufacturer and it's a challenge for installers to pick manufacturers if you want to pick a good manufacturer one of the key things that i always recommended was you know what's their presence in australia um are they committed to the country and um you know, are they? Um, uh, do they have staff here? Can they support you? All those types of things that are really important. Hmm. No, it's really important. Now, look on the flip side of hearing good news about solar, um, we do keep a watch on some of the more unsavoury practices. Um, what have you got in our crap solar segment this week? Well, not much, which is always good. Um, you know, there's the usual stuff appearing on uh, on the socials uh, with a few little a uh, few little stories. But I have to say, there hasn't been you know there's nothing jumping out at me that's uh, new or fresh or different or, or particularly prolific in this fortnight. Um, so I had to go digging to try and find some uh, examples of crap solar, or in fact, what the industry is doing about crap solar, which is actually what we what I like to talk about. One of the things that I did pick up on was um, the Clean Energy Council's um, approved solar retailer program. The approved solar retailer is is not targeting installers. It's actually targeting the retail companies. It's something that took years and years and years and years and years of work to actually get up. Started out pretty small, handful of really high end, uh, very very premium companies jumped on, and um, and then through various different state programs, um, it was made mandatory um, effectively in Victoria and South Australia and some other places. So. So number of companies joining the program has gone through the roof. There's several, uh, I think, 1,500 or 1,300 or something now. Um, and, um, you know, whilst I was actually chatting with a, with a company who was an ASR yesterday and he was saying, ah, oh, you know, it used to be a really strong marketing edge for me. It's not so strong anymore because there's thousands of companies and, you know, some of them aren't necessarily what, I, what he would define as great companies. I'd probably tend to agree. Um, but the interesting thing is that there was nothing that could be done by a ro about a rogue retailer by the Clean Energy Council previously. You could go to the, the, the uh, ACCC as an individual or as a company if you had a valid complaint and you had some evidence. But outside of that, state regulatory bodies, yeah, there wasn't really any, there wasn't any way that the CC could, could exert any leverage on a, on, on yeah, poor retail behaviour. The ASR solves that, and so what's really interesting is you're looking at looking at the latest stats to April third, so only a couple of days old. Um, there were 342 applications to the ASR program rejected 
um, up to April the 3rd, which is a really good sign that the bar is reasonably high. So not everyone gets through, firstly. Uh, secondly, uh, up to April the 3rd, 11 were removed, 18 resigned. So that's probably changes in company structure or, you know, whatever. Seven were suspended and three were cancelled. So whilst the ASR isn't as exclusive as it used to be, what it is giving the industry now is actually, was giving the Clean Energy Council the ability to actually take action where they see poor behaviour. Um, and a lot of the time, the, the work of the CEC and the, the Solar Retailer panel is to, you know, sort of coach those companies and say, look, if you get this system in place to prevent this from happening again, then we'll consider letting you back in. So it's a, it's really designed to be a sort of, you know, collaborative approach. Uh, if they don't do the right thing, they're out. And there have been a number of companies that have been booted out. So I want to give a big shout out to um, the hardworking folks down there. Um, full disclosure, I'm on the panel as an industry rep. I don't see, uh, I probably see about one percent of the work that they do or the outcomes of what they do i um get called in just to uh, give a high level view and occasionally i get calls from asrs as the industry rep and they say Nigel, we want you to, in to represent us on the panel and argue that we think this rule needs tweaking or whatever so full disclosure but um a, a good example of many things that are going on out there to keep crap solar uh, as under control as we can well, that's good to hear, and um, and and certainly um, we still do get um, instances of crap solar. And um, someone actually sent me an email from Perth um, earlier this morning with um, pictures of panels put in the shade and some pretty dodgy sort of mountings and some um, things that looked um, it looked pretty bad. Um, mm. And um, yeah, look, and I don't know what um, another thing is. It's sort of it's sort of um, crap big solar. We're seeing um, some issues. We're seeing more large contractors um, running into problems in um, in the large scale solar utility scale, and uh, Renew Economy has written a few stories recently about sort of exits from the market and stuff like that. And um, it just shows that some of the issues are not just um, in the uh, in the rooftop market; it's also the large scale market, and probably a result of some very um, over enthusiastic people coming into the Australian market, not really understanding it properly, getting their budgets completely wrong, trying to get around it with some cheap and cheerful merchandise um, and um, ended up being not so cheap and not so cheerful for them because um, um, things don't get connected if they're not built properly. Um, so, um, crikey, I'm just trying to imagine what the total losses are now from cost overruns and delays and liquidated damages in the large-scale solar sector. Now, it must be running pretty close to a billion dollars. Um, quite extraordinary. So, um, it just goes to underline the importance of quality at the small scale and long scale a large scale um at level um true 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 story true story <laughs> mate we better wrap up with a bit of um, electric vehicle news now it says here that we're not even going to talk to you about your electric motorcycle but i suspect that you're about to change oh. your mind but be before i before i do that no I just want to... no we can end the section here i still don't have one I still don't have one. Zero motorcycles. If I can put a shout out to zero motorcycles, you suck. I've been waiting so long and we are now still held up on my bikes off the road because of you. I'm really, really starting to, you know, this is pissing me off. Don't ask me about it. Okay. I think we'd better not talk to you anymore about that because um, that's already a headline. Uh <laughs> Right. There's already a headline in the legal seat, but there you go. That's uh, that's what we're here for. Um, 
Look, I was looking for some, um, or just just um, some other numbers came across my um, desk today. That's the uh, the new car market. It's absolutely plunged. Uh, new car sales are down fifty percent in the month of April. Um, down sixty one percent in the passenger car market. And just remember, this is actually a market that's already been falling for two years. So we're probably talking about a market that's about seventy or seventy five percent below where it was two years ago. Um, but um, funnily enough, it's electric vehicle and hybrid sales are actually holding up reasonably well. Some of them took some flack, particularly in the commercial market, as you can understand, some companies sort of um, pulling in their budgets and things like that. But um, mm. it, 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 it's interesting. It's, it, you know, people don't really know what COVID-19 will have as an impact on the energy industry and the transport industry in the long term. I mean, obviously, new car sales... Um, have been absolutely sort of you know thumped um, here and in other countries. The oil price has been absolutely thumped all across the world. What does that mean for long-term investment? What does that need for long-term supplies? Will it accelerate the transition? Look, a lot of people are saying so now, which would be a good thing. One of the good things to come out of this um, horrible pandemic, which has you know hurt so many people in the most appalling ways, person in health and their business, but. Um, it's an interesting thing to ponder, um, and we won't really know the answer until we actually emerge from this and um, and, and see what happens. But um, some fascinating bits of data coming in, um, which you can probably interpret as you like and at your leisure. Yeah. So I've got nothing more to add to that. <laughs> nothing more to add. I think it's probably time for a wrap then, Nigel. Um, I just want to point out that we talked about that AEMO report um, and its various impacts. And look, we'll, we'll be discussing with Alex Wanhouse. He's the chief engineering guy at AEMO, one of the principal people um, behind the integrated system plan and this renewable energy integration report. And we'll be asking some questions about what it all means for distributed energy. So that'll be this week's Energy Insiders podcast. Um, so look out for that. So um, that'll be interesting. Look, Thanks once again for um, all our sponsors, Solar Analytics, um, Open Solar with SunWiz and Clenergy. Thanks to you, Nigel, for joining us. Oh, thank you, Giles. That's so kind. Uh, I was, I've been waiting for two weeks to come back. And you would now be waiting for another two weeks to come back, but hopefully you'll be bringing <laughs> with you more news about the local reopening. That's what I'm looking and, forward um, to. I don't know if it'll be in two weeks, some... but, you know, we, we can try. Yes. And may the sun always shine on your bifacial chap on your bifacial panels. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I don't know. I think that should be you know a sort of natural greeting or salutation. <laughs> we'll be back in a fortnight. Thanks, Nigel. Thanks for our sponsors. Thank you very much, Longy Solar, for your appearance today. And um, we'll talk in two weeks' time. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.